2: With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs.
0: Hey, and hello, everyone. Welcome to Biz Locker Radio, presented by the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board operating at the intersection of sports and business. This is the online show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. If you're looking to improve your business performance, whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. We have experts in sales and marketing and social media, business strategy, leadership and much much more. It's Biz Locker Radio. We are extraordinarily excited to have you on board. I am your host, Kelly Riggs. Thanks for joining me. You can follow me online at bizlockerradio.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. You want to make sure you check out our parent site, bizlockerroom.com, with all of the locker room coaches that we have now producing content. Great, great blog posts coming out each and every week. Uh, Looking forward to a good one tomorrow as well. Tuesday and Thursday, every week, great content and you're going to want to bookmark the bizlockerroom.com website as a place for you to get some of the best content out there. And do like I do, by the way. Download the podcast of these shows on iTunes and just simply listen to them on your daily commute. I can assure you that the level of content that is coming out here makes it worth it. This is show number 46, and the content in our previous shows have been absolutely spectacular. By the way, I started last week I mentioned that we're giving away Brand new business books, absolutely free, no shipping costs, no nothing. All we're asking you to do, go on to iTunes, go pull up iTunes on your favorite device, go into the store, search for Business Locker Room, find that podcast. Once you find it, click on it, and you'll find a place there that you can leave a rating and a review, and if you'll do that and then send me an email and say that you did, I will send you your choice of some incredible business books absolutely free. All yours. Nothing you have to do other than that. It's uh, really, really simple stuff. My email, by the way, kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at bizlockerroom.com. Show number 46. And today, our guest is uh, Charles Green. Excited to have him on board. We're going to talk trust-based selling. By the way, later in the show, Miles Austin will be around, and we're going to talk about something called Fiverr, fiverr.com. Now, perhaps you're familiar with, Perhaps you're not. Perhaps it's one of those tools like Evernote or some others that you've heard of, maybe dabbled with, and you need to know a little bit more about it. You're going to come back around. This is a tool that you're going to want to use for so many different things. The X's and O's segment at the end of our show today, as always, Miles Austin will join us. Brought to you by 4D Sales. By the way, we'll take a little time out at uh, the bottom of the hour, and I'll be joined by a gentleman by the name of Tim Herson. He's going to tell you a little bit about his Sales Performance Summit that they've got going on in Toronto you can find that online as well so just a lot of things to do today and as always we are just absolutely packed with things to do let's talk about Charles Green my guest this week he is a guy who's been around a while he is uh, the purveyor of the trusted advisor find him online by the way at trustedadvisor.com he is the CEO of a company he founded way back in 1997 he's got an MBA from Harvard undergrad from Columbia He's been in the consulting business for uh, quite some time. He's an author, speaker, consultant, seminar leader, co-wrote a book with David Maester, another guy I'm a big fan of, called The Trusted Advisor. Just an instant classic, has been around for 15 years now. Outstanding book. Today, Charles, we want to talk about trust in selling, trust-based selling. How are you, my friend? I'm terrific. How are you today? great 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 to have you on board by the way uh, we go back a ways because we you do prob- yeah, yeah you were probably a couple of years ago <laughs> It I wasn't that long it does no, go fast okay. though uh, we you were one of the first probably half a dozen episodes that I did and I was excited that you invested your time now and uh, even more so today thank you for doing that hey I wanted to purchase. ask you about a recent uh, event in the news and related to selling uh, most people who are listening may have some awareness of uh, what happened with Kurt Schilling and his daughter. And he put a post up on the internet, and then some people started saying some very, very bad things about his daughter. At least it evolved into that. It it went from just some. Um, casual things to become much more toxic, and before it was all yeah, over, that happened on the internet. I'm sure. Yeah, it's shocker. I know. Uh, but uh, Mr. Schilling decided to take things into his own hand, and as it turns out, long story short, Charles, uh, some people wound up uh, losing their positions, losing their jobs, that kind of thing. Let's talk a little bit about how salespeople use social media and what uh, some of the ramifications can be if you make bad choices using uh, Twitter and Facebook and others like that?
3: Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, it's not directly my area of expertise, but it does bump up against some trust issues, I think you're pointing out. Yes. Um, and I, you know, just off the top of my head, the, the wrong response would be shut up, never do anything, uh, impose all kinds of corporate control on who can do what and so forth. The right thing is just don't say stuff that would look horrible if it got published on the front page of the New York Times. The best guarantee in the world is just, you know, censure yourself. Have a brain. Uh, it, I, why is like, it so
0: hard to find now? <laughs> why why why, <laughs> why does there seem to be such this almost entitlement thing that I can tell you everything I'm doing and say anything I want at any time of day on social media, but it's like that's a whole nother planet, Charles. You know, that that's not yeah. the real me, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think, and, and you're as confident as I am to comment on this, but I think that Social media removes a level of direct personal connection from us that throughout our million years of evolution we've been accustomed to. And we don't quite know. We think suddenly we're uh, uh, like we have our head in the sand, therefore nobody sees it, And, of course, it's not true. So we feel entitled to, to blather on, and, and uh, we think that uh, nobody's taking it personally, and, of course, they are. Is it fair to
0: say... Uh, that that uh, an ill-advised use of social media, if you're in sales or in business, can certainly have the same impact that it can be destructive to your business.
3: Um, yeah, I think it can. Although I, I really would, uh, um, I, I think it's got a great role to play, and I'd, i hate for people, because of uh, concern for being caught up doing something stupid, would dial back on their, right. on their use of it. I think a smart thing is to get, get intelligent about it. I mean, that's one error that people make, but the much more common one is we we pump out crap all the time and think that it's content. Um, I mean, the the whole uh, uh, social media space is loaded with fairly trivial, unthoughtful, overhyped statements, and then then you get these trolling kinds of things also. Uh, The the right solution is not not to put a cork on all of it, it is to use it more intelligently and and remember that this is an evolving form of communication, person-to-person. It shouldn't be any different than uh, uh, in principle than the kinds of things you'd say to somebody face-to-face.
0: Sure. My guest is Charles Green, the Trusted Advisor. Find him at trustedadvisor.com. By the way, make sure that you follow him and read his stuff. You can find him at, at Charles H. Green on Twitter. Let me ask you a question. Uh, that, that, I, don't know, that, I don't know the answer to this question, and so I'm just going to throw it to the expert, but... I know it's probably situationally dependent, Charles. But how how much do people really trust what they read on social media? I, I know we can laugh about the internet. You know, if you can find it on the internet, it's true. Ha ha. But uh, <laughs> how much do people really trust what they read on on uh, social media?
3: Well, um, I I think the the right answer is it varies tremendously. With with the, uh, I mean, trust is a complicated thing. You can take surveys and say, well, if you survey ten thousand people. You know, uh, x percent of them will trust certain things, but it depends who the author is, and it depends who, especially depends on who's doing the trusting. Uh, Some of us are much more—you could call it gullible than others, or you could say others are much more willing to. Some of us are more willing to trust, and um, uh, there's a there's a wide continuum. I mean, at one extreme, you have people who. Here's the bottom line on trusting people who generally believe that the world is heading in the wrong direction, A, and B, they have no control over their lives, those people don't trust others very much at all. In contrast, the people who do trust others tend to believe that, you know, basically things are getting better in the world, and I definitely have control over my own life. Those people are the ones who tend to trust others. Now, they all show up on, on, uh, on Twitter, uh, but, um, uh, you know, the answer varies with the human race.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you when you think about it. Well, having read that this week, I just and knowing that you were going to be on this show. I know there's this intersection between digital media and it's you know, it's no different than marketing 25, 30 years ago. It's just a different type of marketing, yeah. but it certainly plays into the way, the way people perceive us and who we are, but it just seems to be this, this sense that I can get on the internet and say things, like you said, that's so impersonal I wouldn't say it to someone directly in their face. I might fear right. for my physical life, but they, they don't <laughs> think that through, Charles, and, I, and I've got that's to believe true. that you know, there, there's that separate... People think, well, look, my personal Facebook page, that's my personal mm-hmm. life, and over here on Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, I'm in business. Those things are different, but they're not
3: they not at all. Absolutely right. Uh, we, we pretend that they're different at our own peril. Um, in fact, you know, people, a, a more subtle version of that is related to trust and selling is when people think that selling in business is impersonal. Uh, it, it may not mean that you have license to, you know, find out about everybody's uh, family life and kids birthdays and all that but you better relate to people as human beings everybody has you know triumphs and failures and successes and great stories and so forth in the work life and we ignore that stuff to our detriment one of the biggest the failings of most salespeople that I find is they stick to technology and, and rational logic and benefit statements and positioning and so forth and they forget the personal angle and um, we, are, we are human beings playing at business and uh, we need to remember that
0: yeah, no question about it. Well, you have made your mark on the business world in this arena called trust. Certainly trust and selling go hand in hand. Zig Ziglar and others have famously said that people buy from people that they like and they trust. And and I you know, while I think right. there's a sense in which many of us sort of understand that, I don't know that m- many people oftentimes intentionally set out to create trust with their customers. If you're starting with a brand new salesperson, Charles, and you you know that trust is going to play a huge role in their career, what are the kinds right. of things you're teaching them to do early on? How do you start with new people?
3: Well, I think it's a, it's a great question to ask, and, and, uh, and it's important you do start with new people, right? because one of the answers is you're preparing for a career. And whether or not people will trust you will have an impact on the rest of your life. You're, you're you know, starting on day zero, you're building a reputation and a track record. And if you start it off by not, by doing things that make people not trust you, that'll bite you for the rest of your life and vice versa, if you do it correctly. So one is long-term, don't think of business as a series of transactions and don't think about sales as a transactional uh, uh, process, which unfortunately 90% of what you read about selling is about getting the sales if it were a transaction. It's about right. relationships, not transactions. Um, the second thing I would say, and, and you're right in mentioning Zig Zigler I don't know if he said it or Chris Brogan said it or, or I said it or somebody, but I think somebody once said people buy with their heart and then rationalize it with their brain. Now, there's good psychological research that says that's true, and if you read carefully some of the stuff by Neil Rackham on spin-selling, you'll also find research to support. That's a very true thing. People make up their minds in a very triggered uh, sub-cognitive, um, sub, uh, uh, emotional kind of a way and then rationalize their decision with, uh, with all the data that comes up from looking at positioning statements and, and so forth. That's not to say data and quality and statistics and, and data are, are unimportant. They are important, but they are necessary, not sufficient. What kicks it over the top, what drives it over the goal line is that emotional connection, and that's very much about trust and it's very much a personal phenomenon. So I'd talk until I was blue in the face, pointing out examples of stories to that new salesperson about how that is true.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing how a new salesperson doesn't respect the fact that it is the smallest things that impact that level of trust and ultimately create some level of doubt in, in people's minds. And one of those things that I think is uh, sort of outside the radar is that when all you ever do is present facts and data to people, uh, then you're actually asking them to debate the merits of those that fact, that data. You're, you're not impacting their heart at all. Uh, you're not reaching into their inner motivations, Charles. And, and at some level, right. that, that does impact your trust.
3: Oh, no question. No question. You know, people are kind of searching for subtraction. Anytime you meet somebody, I mean – we, there's a parallel metaphor here. I hesitate to mention it, but it's true with dating life. You go out and first date with somebody. And that's not terribly different than family relationships, how you get along with your cousins. That's all not terribly different than how we get along with customers. People want to know about that personal connection. Can I kind of trust this person? Meaning, you know, can I share personal things with them? Uh, are they going to abuse my confidence? Do I actually think they have my best interests at heart, at least a little bit? Or are they just in it to get me? and uh, if all you do is recite statistics about your product or service, uh, and you know, think you're accomplishing something, you're kidding yourself, you're not, you're not getting there.
0: Yeah, no question about it. My guest is Charles Green. We're gonna take a time out, and we're gonna come back on the other side of that break, and we're gonna talk about a fantastic blog post that Charles has up uh, from earlier this year. It's called, When Customers Demand to Know the Price Up Front. Interesting how we'll make that relationship to trust when people want to know what your price is right up front. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. We're going to come back on the other side. Stay with us.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
4: Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, A Step-by-Step Guide to a Hall of Fame Career in Sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com.
0: Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to a hundred million dollars in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today.
2: the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
3: Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Uh, Yes,
0: you are. Welcome back to the biz Business Locker Room. Biz Locker Radio, John Spence, one of the uh, coaches in the Business Locker Room, and he had a wonderful post last week. I want to encourage you to go to bizlockerroom.com, find the blog, and look at some of the content that is coming out there. We're just absolutely tearing it up in terms of the coaches. I'll give them all of the credit and many thanks to those who are involved. Our guest today is Charles Green. As we talk about trust and selling, and when we were at the break, Charles, you were talking about winning a piece of business uh, recently, and it was based on a comment that I'd made, and that is that most salespeople say that selling is about relationships, but my claim is that most people really do not understand what that word means, and you said, hey, you know what? That actually happened this week. Tell us a little bit about it.
3: Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. This was a, a couple of months ago, we won maybe our biggest job in, in a long time against two very entrenched, well-known brand name competitors. I'm not going to mention their name, but you know, you tell them. And there was a three-way competition, there was a two-week RFP, and the ending thing was a 30-minute online verbal Skype uh, uh, interview. And the other two competitors, in retrospect, if we won, that they told us, they spent the first 10 to 15 minutes, each of them, talking about themselves. And the client on the other end is thinking, this is a 30-minute call after we've been through all the RFPs, why in the world are you taking 20 to 50% of your time to restate who you are and all your qualifications? Uh we, you know, read the book, (laughs) and we started off by saying, we think there are five issues you need to face. We've only got 30 minutes with you. Which one would you like to talk about? And they said, well, let's talk about number two. So we talked about number two for 30 minutes. Hung up the phones, and they said, well, these people know how to relate to other human beings and bring value on an initial phone call instead of continuing to talk about themselves. It is about a relationship, not about continually hyping your message.
0: Yeah, and you said the magic words. They, these people know how to bring value to the conversation, and that, that really is the de- That's what relationships is about. It's is when we find value in other people and their ability to impact us.
3: That's very right, very right. Well,
0: well you wrote an incredibly uh, insightful blog post uh, recently, When Customers Demand to Know the Price Up Front, and I i suspect there are few personal interactions, especially early on, that have more impact on the way people perceive you as a salesperson than when they try to immediately get that price up front. Obviously, customers want to do that. They, they would love to put you in the commodity bucket. They would love to bring it down to nothing but price. But how you handle that moment of truth, Charles, will go a long way towards creating that trust that we so desperately crave. Tell me a little bit about what you shared in in the blog post itself.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, you characterize it rightly. When, it, when, a, when a buyer approaches the seller and says, I don't want to hear all your stuff, tell me the price right up front, they're setting up a confrontation. And most salespeople will tell you, don't give them the price until you've had a chance to establish the value. So tell them I'll get there in 60 seconds or something. I don't think that's the right answer. I think the right answer is if somebody demands a price, tell them the price, bingo, right away. It's a buck two eighty. it's $2,000, it's 2500 a month, whatever the answer is. And then pause and wait for the follow-up, which is well, you know, depending on what or what's involved in that, or how big is it, or how often. Because the truth is, that little interchange is not about the price; it's about macho positioning, and you know how you're going to respond to a to an aggressive uh, uh, posturing. It's about R E S P E C T, Aretha Franklin. It's it's about respect, and the way that you change that conversation from a confrontational, you know, uh, I'm I'm tougher than you is you say, look, you want an answer? Here's the answer. If you, if you want to know more about what that means, what's behind it, I'm, I'm open to discussion. If that's literally all you want, then there you go. Yeah, I, don't, I don't need a customer like you anyway. But what you're doing by respecting them, you're giving them a straight answer to the question. You immediately defuse that conversation because you're really saying, you know, I'm willing to have a discussion. Where do you want to go from here? And almost always, I find, once you give people a straight answer, they do come back and say, well, you know, what does that depend or how long is that, or are there volume discounts? And then you can start having a real discussion, and inevitably it does come back to value. It's not that hard to turn it back to value. So the trick is don't let it be the confrontation that it started off being. Defuse it and defuse it by showing respect.
0: Uh, that's good stuff because even a guy like myself as a sales trainer many times will tell people, look, you can't negotiate price if you don't have value on the table. And, and, and people true, will as far
3: as it goes. That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, as far as it goes. But then the problem becomes is when the customer turns that whole funnel upside down and says right out of the chute, all right, I know what you're selling. Uh, let's cut to the chase. Give me a price. Right. And I, and we say, uh, well, um, you know, well, you know, uh, I really need to tell you more about value. No, you don't need to tell me about value. I just, I just need to know wh- what the price is. And, boy, that, I, I have seen that happen, and I've seen potential buyers get really upset by it.
3: They do get upset because you're, you're saying, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to put myself in control of this conversation. And, and uh, you know, again, the way out of it is just defuse that whole confrontational thing. Uh There are actually rare occasions where a buyer literally does only want to know the price and and the product really is some kind of commodity and and uh generally for almost everybody on this phone call, those are not the customers you want so uh even though they're rare cases, tell them the price anyway, if it actually is one of those situations they'll remove themselves and you're lucky because a competitor got them you don't want it
0: right. Well, the, the, the reality is for most offerings, Charles, there's, there's usually a, a multiple price points. It depends on how exactly. you buy it and where you buy it. Is it appropriate to kind of offer that range or to say it, it varies according to a number of things, but it could be as low as or as high as? Is that appropriate?
3: Well, here's the, here's the cute thing. If somebody says, I just want to know how much it is, and you say, okay, it's 8000 bucks for the annual plan or it's 1000 for the first 12 months, 1000 a month. And then stop and don't say anything more. And then and let the buyer say, well, does that mean that there's a discount there? Yeah, there is, depending on, well, what if I want to go two years? What if I only want to go one month? Well, then you could do this, then you could do that. Why would I want to do this? Well, the quality's better here. You know, then you're having a real discussion. But I think rather than hedge all the, all the things up front, you convey this respect issue, which is critical. You, you're saying to the, to the buyer, I don't want to play gotcha games here. You ask me a straight question, I'm going to give you a straight answer. You want to know how much it costs? It costs 8000 for the annual or 1000 a month for 12 months. And then stop. Don't say anything. Let the buyer fill in the pause. Let them say the next words. And I almost always will because, as you said, things depend on all kinds of stuff. The rather sure. than not to insist on owning the conversation by telling them up front, let them ask the question.
0: All right, so the, mix, the next response that the customer gives you, now let's, well, I'm going to assume good intent. They've done their yeah. homework. Maybe they've seen a couple of custom, uh, potential uh, buy, uh, vendors, rather. and so their response to you is, wow, that's, that, that's a lot more than what I understood. I, I, I think you're a little bit high, or I think you're a lot high. Yeah. What's the next response then?
3: Uh, I, what I usually say is help me understand what you mean by high, because in my experience, I've heard four different versions of that. One of them is it's higher than you expected, one is it's higher than you heard from a competitor. One is it's higher than your budget. Uh, one is you just want to chew everybody down on price because that's what you do. Some of these I can help you with. Some of them I can't help you with. So help me understand when you say it's high or too high, what do you mean by that? And see, that way you're asking a genuine question. It's no longer confrontational. You're legitimizing their concern that it's too high and saying, yeah, maybe I can help you, maybe not. Help me understand. What, what do you mean when you say it's too high? At that point, the person can come back and say, oh, gee, it's, it's just more than I thought. Well, you know, what would help you feel better? Would you like to talk to some other people? i can like to give you some names of competitors. You can check with them. So, you know, whatever the question is. So, you, again, you're defusing it. You're showing them respect by saying that's not a dumb question at all. In fact, there are four different ways I've heard of it and so forth. Again, I think it fits under that category of changing the tenor of the conversation from conversational to collaborative.
0: Yeah that's a, that's fantastic advice and you know Charles if if we did what we do in real life And instead of what we do when we're, quote, selling, I think people get that. I mean, in a normal conversation about things where I'm not selling you something, you ask me a question I don't quite understand, and that would be my response. You know, you you said, hi, I'm not really sure I'm with you on that. What do you have in mind? That would be a normal interchange. But in selling, it's almost like we've conditioned salespeople to have that gotcha kind of answer that, you know, immediately closes the sale. And we really put people in a bad place that way.
3: We really do, and it, it comes from thinking that we're in competition with our customers. It comes from thinking that it's a transactional process, all about closing the deal. And those, are, those are killer ideas. It's not about closing the deal. It isn't a transaction, and it shouldn't be competitive. It should be collaborative. My best thought is, imagine that you're, oh, for Thanksgiving, it's your cousin's place, and you're kicking back watching the game, and your cousin asks you some advice. You know, I don't know whether to buy this thing. I heard from somebody, you know, it's kind of high. You guys do this. What do you think? Well you'd advise your cousins, you know, like just like you said, it'd be a normal conversation. That's the way to approach your customer, just like your cousin on Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, I I like the whole approach. Well, you know, in my experience, especially in the the last dozen years or so, is that it seems like more and more people uh, grab a product and a brochure and a price list and they run out the door and they want to hustle into the presentation. And they really haven't thought through the scenarios that might present themselves, Charles. So they, they typically find themselves without good things to say because they haven't thought through those things. I, yeah. it just, it's, it's, it's a real problem. About, uh, about two minutes before my next break, let me ask you quickly before I let you go today. Tell, tell me the most significant and most consistent thing that you see salespeople doing wrong that impacts the level of trust they create with their clients.
3: Well, I can give you a clear answer to that, and I'm not the only one. Again, Neil Rackham says this too. The biggest problem that I see, and he's mentioned this as well when I asked him directly, is people coming up with the solution too soon, coming up with the answer too soon before the customer has finished telling you what the problem is. not a question of whether you're right or whether you have the right solution. It's a question of nobody likes to be interrupted and told what the solution is before they finish telling you what the problem is. Picture going into your doctor, you've been agonizing for three days and in 10 seconds your doctor's, oh, you got such and such. You say, well, what about the pains in my leg? What about, you know, my lungs? Ah, eh, forget it, this. You know, we don't want to be told what the problem is until we're finished telling you what, you know, what we, what it feels like. And seriously, jump into action too soon. That's the biggest problem I see.
0: Oh, absolutely. Same for me. I mean, I absolutely, 100% agree with that. Is people they they see an opening like, well, we're in need of, and we have those. Right. Immediately, they want to jump in and start
3: selling those. Absolutely. Have I got a bridge for you, <laughs> yeah, I've I've got
0: something for you. He's Charles Green, and let me highly encourage you to find him online at trustedadvisor.com. You got to read the book. It's an old instant classic. Uh, the trusted advisor, and follow him on uh, Twitter as well, at Charles H. Green. As always, sir, much appreciated. Thanks for joining us here on BizLocker Radio.
3: Thank you so much, Kelly. Real pleasure.
0: Great to have you. Hey, we're going to take a time out. On the other side, I'm hoping we'll be joined by Tim Herson, and we're going to tell you a little bit about the Sales Performance Summit that is coming up in early April. And then later in the show, Miles Austin of fillthefunnel.com will join me for the X's and O's segment, as always, brought to you by 4D Sales. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll come back after the break. Stay with us.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
4: Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, A Step-by-Step Guide to a Hall of Fame Career in Sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com.
0: Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of Biz Locker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to a $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Yeah, Dan Walshman, the very first guest on BizLocker Radio. Welcome back. Good, Great to have you. Make sure you check us out. BizLockerRadio.com is always brought to you by the Business Locker Room. We welcome in Tim Hurston. Tell you a little bit about Tim. Tim has got a great new book out called Never Be Closing, which uh, runs kind of contrary to how salespeople think, I I suspect. How to Sell Better Without Screwing Your Clients, Your Colleagues, or Yourself. That's out uh, in 2013. Still seems like a new book to me, Tim. Welcome into the show. How are you, sir? Hey, Kelly. It's really good to be here. I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. You have, uh, you have had quite a career helping Fortune 500 companies in a variety of uh, countries, by the way, improve their sales processes and improve their performance. And you and a, a group of guys have got something very special going on in Toronto. On the 6th of April, you're calling it the Sales Performance Summit at the Rotman School of Management. I was impressed with that. Tell me about the event and what, uh, what led to it and what you're hoping to accomplish.
5: Yeah, it's kind of exciting. All three of us uh, got together and, and we realized something that is just so self-evident. You know, there's a whole lot of training going on out there. There's a whole lot of incentives going on out there. There's a whole lot of targets and quotas going on out there. And yet, uh, data tells us that more than half of sales reps are missing their quotas. So if there's training, if there's coaching, if there's targets, if there's, an ince- if there's incentives, what's missing? And the answer clearly, I think, comes from the, you know, one of the business sages. It's Peter Drucker. He says, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right. And it's true. Unless you develop a sales culture within your organization, and that comes from the, um, the sales managers, the sales VPs, maybe even the C-suite folks, unless you develop a really powerful culture of sales success, it almost doesn't matter what you do on those other levels because culture each strategy for breakfast.
0: Yeah, such a great observation, Tim. I, I, I gotta tell you, I, it's a passion for me as well, having grown up in the sales business and also been a manager and executive for many, many years. One of the things you find out is that uh, you know, sales managers oftentimes get promoted because they're great salespeople, and they're really not very effective as managers or, more effectively stated, as leaders of of groups of people who are trying to create a result together. I suspect that's something you guys want to impact in um, the summit there in Toronto.
5: Absolutely. And it, it applies to any, to, to any skill level. You know, you'd be really great at what you do. But to be great at getting other people to do that same thing is different. You know, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to quote all the time. The other quote that I love is, is the leadership quote by Dwight Eisenhower. He says, leadership is not about getting people to do what you want them to do. It's about getting them to want what you want. And that's the key. That's the secret. How do you get your people to
0: want, as passionately as you do, what you want? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> every every time I hear that quote, Tim, I, I, my mind goes immediately to the uh, Vince Vaughn Jennifer Aniston movie, and I forget the, the name of it. But she wants him to wash dishes, and he says, "Why? Why would I want to wash the dishes? You know, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me." Well, you talked about three guys. Tell me a little bit about your partners and uh, how you guys rolled this up.
5: Uh, they are the, the greatest. Uh, we met through a, a group of people who uh, support one another on the web and so on. It's a little group we call STA. You're part of that group, I know. So are a number of the other people that you have on your show. Um, there's, there's myself and then there's Tibor Shanto. Tibor is a columnist with the uh, Toronto's uh, major and Canada's major mi- uh, business uh, newspaper, The Globe and Mail, he is a uh, an execution expert, I would call him, uh, an astonishing guy. He goes all the way from cold calls to uh, you know getting liter- literally getting the job done. I talk about never be closing. Tibor is one of the the premier closers uh, so he's one of us. Uh, the other is S- uh, Steve Rosen uh, Steve is uh, his background is in uh, m- both managing and also in the field, exactly the transition that you spoke about, right. he, uh, he, you know, he, he went out there, She slogged, he made those sales, and then he figured out how to manage other people to make those sales. So he has both of those sides to him. And me, I'm sort of the accidental salesperson. I was never a professional salesperson, but I sold my business. Uh, and by which I don't mean sold the business itself, but sold the work of our business. And anybody out there who, who's done that knows you're selling all the time. You just don't think of yourself as a salesperson, but you're selling all the time. So we have three very, very interesting perspectives that we bring to it. And then finally, we have somebody from infusion whose name is bill Baldasty, who, um, started um, and is a partner in Infusion Canada and is going to talk about how Infusion can contribute to helping sales cultures develop.
0: Well, it's, it, it should be phenomenal, and I want to back up for a moment because many people may have tried to tune out, and I want to encourage them not to do that because I said it's going to happen in Toronto. So people in the States that are listening are, well, you know, I don't have anything to do with that, but it's also going to be online. You guys are at com, and you're actually going to be putting uh, the conference online as well.
5: Kelly, you're a pearl. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, we only have 17 live seats left, so you've got to really scramble to get those. And there's some real benefits in that because there are books available that we'll be giving out free and all kinds of, uh, I think, really valuable takeaways. But we are also making available on a very exclusive basis um, a live streaming uh, of, of the event, and that can be found at Toronto Sales Summit, all one word, Toronto Sales Summit, Dot com. And uh, by the way, not only do we only have 17 seats left, but we only have uh, a few days left for our early bird pricing. So after the 12th of March, that goes up to the regular pricing.
0: Yeah, in fact, I'm looking at the uh, site as we speak. Toronto's first Sales Performance Summit on the 6th of April. Only 21 seats are left. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about if we if we do want to be online and want to be involved It says here on the site that it's for VPs, director of sales, and C-suite only. So that means we're talking about people up the scale, up the ladder in terms of uh, the the sales organization. What kind of pricing are we talking about?
5: Uh, The pricing is, uh, I got to actually look that up, right? The the pricing, uh, the full package, the the 17 seats, and it's actually 17 seats. We haven't even updated the website yet. It's 17 seats left. The full package is $197, but... Until March the 12th, it's 147 That's wow. on-site and live, and it's with free books and all kinds of giveaways that are part of that process. The webcast only is um, a $97 regular price, $77 until we get to uh, the March the 12th. After that, we're, getting, we're going back up to the $97 price. You get everything everybody else gets. You just don't get the free books and the signatures and the handshakes and the smiles.
0: Wow. $77 for, what, a a half a day or a full day, Tim? It's a half day. And,
5: oh, you don't get the lunch either with the 70 Unfortunately, you don't get the
0: lunch. So you're out on the lunch. Well, here we go. (laughs) I'm looking at the sessions and the schedules, and this looks absolutely phenomenal. Uh, You've got uh, Tibor is going to talk about execute or die. You're going to talk about creating a culture of success And you've got a nice round table, and I'm sure that'll be a part of it as well. Bill Baldosti is going to talk about approaching customer conversations differently. If you had to put it into a snippet, Tim, and I'm a guy, let's say, that's listening today, and I've been to a lot of sales events, I've been on a lot of webcasts, what's that one differentiator? What's that one thing I'm going to take away that's really going to move the needle for our organization if I'm a director of sales, as an example? Good point. I, th- I think the, the
5: biggest thing that's going to happen is that each of the speakers is going to give you at least one and probably more tools that you can put in place. Because we're talking about relatively simple tools that you can put in place literally tomorrow to begin changing the performance and, uh, of your folks and the culture in which they work. So not only are we, we this is not about philosophy. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little background. This is real tools. These are the This is the kind of stuff that you pay a lot more money to go to a seminar to get. And why are we doing this? We're doing this because we know that if we reach the people who are making the decisions within organizations, they're gonna spread the word as well. So the, you're gonna be able to walk away with some real tangible tools Absolutely proven working tools that you can put into place literally the next day because they're very, very simple. They're very straightforward. They're very accessible. And they work.
0: Before I let you go, uh, you guys are Canadian uh, at least, and I know t and Stephen are, I assume you may be as well. but uh, there's often this thought of you know, do, do, do they sell the same in Canada or Britain or in the you know Pacific Rim? or are, are there is it that common or are there distinct cultural differences in the way people sell in different cultures?
5: Yeah, I would say that there are cultural differences. I am, by the way, a mongrel. I am uh, U.S., South African, and Canadian—you know—all rolled into one. I do a lot of speaking, and uh, sometimes people say to me, and they ask me the question: "You know, what, you know what's the difference between a Canadian audience and a uh, and a, a U.S. audience?" And uh, you know, I'll stand on the stage and I'll say, "You know, I finally figured out what the difference is between a Canadian audience and a U.S. audience." And then what I'll do is I'll just go on. I won't answer the question. And if I'm in the United States. Somebody from the audience is going to raise their hand and they're going to say, "Wait, wait, wait a minute! What's the difference?" And I say, "That's the difference." You guys ask.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is that's awesome. I love that. You know, I uh, I am uh, blessed. Absolutely, I'm blessed to have a. Uh, a client in Canada. And, and I've found that, you know, there's the diff, some of the difference in mannerisms and language and, you know, those kinds of things and their metric system and we're not, and you know, but it, when it all comes down to it, I mean, business seems to be business. And though there may be some cultural variants, it's all pretty much the same. I mean, I had Charles Green on before you joined us, Tim. And, you know, I, I suspect you still have to build trust with the people up there, just like you do here in the States. It, you may go about it a little bit different culturally, but you still have to build that trust.
5: You do. I think in in Canada maybe it's a little softer, a little slower. I think Americans tend to be a little bit more upfront. Uh, you know, they say that Canadians are very polite. If you step on a Canadian's foot, the Canadian will say, "I'm sorry." You know, it's 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 literally <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> kind of difference. But you know, the cultures really are not very far apart uh, at, at all. Um, but there's a yeah, I, I would say that there's a. Americans are really up front, and Canadians are just slightly, not a lot, but slightly more reserved.
0: Oh, that's, that's such a great illustration you gave us. Well, we very much appreciate you taking your time to join us. Folks, it's the Sales Performance Summit, and you can find it online, torontosalessummit.com. Uh, You heard Tim mention that I have some affiliation with these guys through a a group of uh, sales guys. These guys are world-class professionals. You're going to get every single penny of $77, I can assure you, in the time that you spend with them. Make sure you jump on if you've got the time to do that. April the 6th in the morning. And uh, Tim, we appreciate it. Best wishes to you guys. Hope you have great success.
5: Kelly, you're a pearl. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
0: Great to have you on board. All right, we're going to take our final timeout. Miles Austin will be with us on the other side of the break. We'll do the X's No segment. Today, we're going to talk about Fiverr. Folks, this is a tool you need to know a lot about. Get your notebooks out and stay ready. We'll be back on the other side. I'm Kelly Riggs. This
2: is Biz Locker Radio. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
4: both are available on amazon.com is it time to put kelly to work for you for more information on training or consulting in sales leadership development or strategic planning visit vmaxpg.com that's vmaxpg.com
0: hi this is kelly riggs the host of biz Locker radio How do you take a company from zero to a $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today.
2: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Jeff Shore, by the way, one of the coaches in the Business Locker Room, his post will be out tomorrow morning. I'm excited. I was reading that today. It's going to be a good one. You want to stick around for it. Find it at bizlockerroom.com. Here we are at Biz Locker Radio. We're operating at the intersection of sports and business and we've had a couple of great people on. By the way, I want to encourage you that I really do want you to see the value and what's going on with the Toronto Sales Summit. Seventy-seven dollars—that's sick. I mean, that's that, that's great number uh, for what what promises to be a a great opportunity to increase your level of selling skills. Hey, let me introduce you to our partner on this show, and that would be 4D Sales. Find them at 4DSales.com. This is a tool. Of course, we bring Miles on and we do the X's and O's segment and we talk about tools, but the 4D sales tool is incredible. A tablet-based sales tool, you can use it for the iPad, you can use it for your Windows 8 devices, doesn't really matter. But what it does is put the world at your fingertips. I mean, you talk about looking like a solid pro and building that trust that we were talking with Charles about this will do it you've got everything you need you've got your price lists and your brochures and your slide decks even live web pages different web apps that you can use to demonstrate to your customer and it's all just like you're scrolling between your pictures on your iPad it's got that interleaved look to it where you just slide between them find the one you want pull it right up divide all of your material into the categories that make sense for you click on a category bring up something show it to your client in full HD video or full HD presentation mode, and they want a copy, one click, it's emailed to them and they've got it available. I'm telling you, I've been in the sales and marketing business for a very long time. This is one of those tools. It's a game changer. A lot of their clients use those exact words. It is a game changer. Many thanks to 4D Sales for their continued partnership here on BizLocker Radio. Miles Austin, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing fantastic,
0: Kelly. Man, you sound 100%. You're clearly out of the, uh, the black hole that you
1: were in two or three weeks ago called the flu. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what. I think I found the, the solution to that as well. I was listening this morning to the Apple event, uh, the live stream of all the new products, watching the unbelievable new notebook they just announced. And I thought, man, that'll bring me out of a purple funk better than anything. (laughs) Yeah, they just didn't time it
0: very well, did they? (laughs) That's great. Hey, you've got a brand new tool this week, and I'm excited to talk about it. It's called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R dot com. Really interesting when you proposed this one. I knew a little bit about it and have since done some, taken some looks to see what they do. Give us a sense of why this is a must-have tool for the business professional.
1: Well, Kelly, here's what, and I just, uh, by the way, I'm I'm a user of this tool multiple times a month, okay? And it's really a service. It's a tool that provides services for you. But here's what I always ask people and say, Fiverr, I've heard about it or I'm not sure. Uh, Here's what I always ask people, Kelly, and I'll just ask you directly, do you have enough time in the day to get all the things done that you need to get done? That, that, that's, a, that's a silly question. Right, clearly, it is. Clearly. It's foolish. And right. they look at me and say, well, of course not, Miles. Then I'll ask, well, hey, are you really good with Photoshop? And they're like, Duh. Are you, you know, Do you have the time to go audit or to uh, edit your audio? Uh, can you splice together a really nice, new, fresh-looking PowerPoint deck, right? I, I can't, Miles. Now, unless you're an executive that has a whole team of people that you have at your beck and call, most of us on this radio uh, call today – would say, look, I don't have time to do any of that stuff. I have time and I want to learn how to do some of these things, but I don't have the time to do it. So the concept behind Fiverr is basically this. There's a collection of 100,000-plus freelance um, artists, authors, speakers, voiceover talent, creatives, etc., primarily in the creative world. That's at least but what, I, what I've seen. Um, and they offer services... And they have to all have a package that they offer for five dollars. That's where Fiver, a five or a five-dollar bill comes in. Now you can spend more than that. You can spend ten or fifteen or twenty bucks. But you, as the consumer of this service, pick how much you want to spend for certain types of activities. If you want it to be delivered overnight, maybe it's ten dollars. If you want to have have it in full high def instead of Standard death. Well, maybe it's another $5. So you kind of get the flavor, but you pick it. You're in control of what you order and what you get based on tens of thousands. I was just working with a a voiceover talent for one of my um, training programs because I find a lot of times they sound way better than I do anyway. And this is what they do for a living. They're set up, they've got their studios, and I can pay $5 a segment and get, in my case, just completed a 28-segment video series. I gave them the script. They're working right now and recording them, and they're $5 a session. Wow. That, that's, I mean, that's, that's incredible when you think
0: about the resources that are available, and you, you pulled three or four out of your hat that immediately I can see opportunities for me. Now, one of the things that I have worked with in the past a little bit,
1: Miles, is Elance. Mm-hmm. How does Fiverr vary from Elance? That's an excellent question, Kelly, because I think th- that's always think, okay, well, these are all the same. Yes and no. They're all online services that offer up um, professional talent for you to use in different ways. I would tell people, and I use Elance as well, I-, I actually use Elance for some of the coding work. When I need someone, I need a program done or modification to code, I'll go to Elance because I've found anyway the more creative type people that do all the, you know, the graphics and artistic and logo design and all those things are more on the fiber side and a little bit less intense. They're more small project, bite sized chunks versus Elance, where you literally could hire someone to write an entire program for you if you knew how to ask and who to search out and how to select it. So So I think the. Yeah, the bill would be more. The bill would be typically going to be more complex and and cost a little bit more money, right? Yeah, and usually a longer time frame. What's nice about Fiverr, I can order. So I've done this many, many times. I'll order a project today for five bucks, and it's in my inbox tomorrow.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'm look I'm looking online fiverr.com fiverr.com graphics and design online marketing writing and translation video and animation music and audio programming and tech advertising and then business inside of business You've got market research presentations, virtual assistants, branding services, and on and on it goes. Folks, we're talking about $5, 10 15 for some of those common tasks That that's, you know, what I find, Miles, is they, they kind of like stick in your side. You know you got to get them
1: done, but you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. And it sort of becomes that irritant. Absolutely. And then what happens, at least in my own life, then I'm at deadline. I've got overnight, tomorrow morning, it's due. And then I put something together that I'm not 100% proud of that wasn't my best effort because I didn't take the time. And what Fiverr does, it's like sticking a, a needle in that balloon. You just feel the pressure go away because you know you've got someone who's already very talented. And yes, they might be able to do it in maybe do whatever project in 20 minutes. It might take me three hours because they're really good at what they do. I'll use an example of Logos. Um, from time to time, we all think, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of freshen up my logo, or I have three new properties, an example that I've got online in three different websites. And I thought, I, I want to create a, a logo for each of these and a header and all that. I, I'm not a graphics guy, as I've shared with, with the listeners before. So I literally went out, and I hired three to four people on for each of these projects, each of the the brands, if you will, and had each of them for five bucks, why not? And had each, I said, here's the general idea. Here's some colors I have in mind, maybe. Uh, maybe I, I want this one to be more light. I want this one to be really serious business, you know, and you kind of give them some idea. And again, in all three of these properties that I did, and this is just in the last couple months, I get responses back for what I ask for. And what's amazing to me is I think, God, I had no idea. I had no vision for one or two of these things. And another one, you like, I'll give them examples of my current logos and all that kind of thing. So they, they might do something very similar. But remember, you're dealing with creative, really smart, talented people in almost every case. And what's nice is you're going to get things back that, at least in my case, I, my mind's eye never could have seen it in the first place. Wow, great stuff
0: as always from Miles Austin. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. This man is an absolute encyclopedia of great tools for you to use. Follow him online at Miles Austin. That's going to do it for today's show. Biz Locker Radio, number 46, in the can. and uh, Just an absolutely fantastic job. Thanks to Michael Sergit for making us sound better than we really are. To Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. Want to let you know next week, boy, you want to mark down next week's show, Yogi Raw will join us. He's a guy that you heard me reference when I interviewed Bruce Feldman, The Making of the Modern Quarterback, his book. It's going to be good stuff. Thanks to 4D Sales for their continued sponsorship. We'll be back next week right here on Biz Locker Radio.